Coach D here, and welcome to the Standing O Podcast. We are on episode 13, lucky number 13. And speaking of lucky, have any of you been watching the Winter Olympics? Last night on TV, we watched the ski jump, and I don't know about you, but that is terrifying. (laughs) A combination of terrifying and pure guts and it's got to feel momentarily amazing to just be flying through the air but I can tell I'm getting older because I just think that that has to just kill your knees the way they have to scrouch down like that and then how hard they must land on the snow but there is something about the Winter Olympics that fascinate me And maybe it's because I, you know, I've grown up in the Midwest and I don't have access to extreme sports or snow sports or ice sports of any kind. Um, But they're just fascinating to me because I think about just the courage that these athletes have. Like what makes somebody look at this giant ski jump and think, I want to fly off of that thing. You know, to me, that that's never a thought that I would have. I mean, I even think like a diving board is high. So to look at this big, giant ski jump and think, oh, I want to do that. Or to go to the top of a mountain and want to ski down it, period, I think is just terrifying. But I was also reading this article about how these athletes, they, they know they can't get hurt. They know they probably will get hurt. It's more about just hoping and praying and planning that they don't get hurt at the worst possible time, you know, like right before the Olympics or at the Olympic games. And just that they are so practiced in facing fear, so practiced in doing hard things. And that's what I wanna talk about today, doing the hard things. Now, for me, the hard thing when I was an athlete was the 800 meters. Yes, the 800 meters, two full times around a track. And um, for me, a reason I hated it so much was because it was my seventh event. It was my seventh consecutive event in two days because I did the heptathlon in college. So the first day we did four events the hurdles, the high jump, the shot put, and the 200. I loved the first day. I was really good at the first day. The second day were not my strong events. It was the long jump, the javelin, and the 800. And the 800, what it really came down to was pure guts. A lot of the times we knew what place we were going to end up because it was just like, just don't let this person beat you by this much time or don't fall over. Don't not cross the finish line. Like, We kind of knew where we ended up. So sometimes in those situations, the motivation for finishing was, you know, it was just like, let's just get through this together. And you're already so tired. You're so exhausted. The weather was either blazing hot or it was the exact opposite, just freezing cold and windy and raining. You never ran in ideal conditions. But for me back then, the hard thing was the 800 And I often wonder if the 
track itself was just 800 meters. Like if I didn't have to, if I just had to go around one time, I feel like that would have been easier for me because the hard part was that mental check of like you get to the finish line and then you have to go around again. For some reason, I just mentally had a hard time conquering that mental aspect of that race. And um, one of my most proud moments was actually when I conquered the 800 and I ran a PR by 10 seconds and that led me to qualify for the national championship. Doing hard things, facing hard things. It's never easy. It's never simple. It's never something that we automatically just want to do. Today, I'm not just going to challenge you to embrace the hard thing, but I want to urge you. I want to encourage you to go and look for the hard things. Do the hard things. When you think about these athletes that are at the Olympic Games, when you think about your most favorite athletes ever, the ones you idolize, the ones that you follow on Instagram, there is not one of those athletes that hasn't faced some kind of hurdle. Not There's not one that just woke up one day and decided they want to be really good at sports and then they were just amazing and never had any adversity along the way. No, these athletes are amazing because of the hurdles they've cleared. In fact, that perseverance is probably the reason why you admire them so much. It is usually because of that hurdle, because of the things that they went through that makes them great. I say that because I've seen it. I have coached young women for 15 years. And there is always, these athletes just, just, they give up or they quit or they walk away or they get frustrated or their attitude just gets worse and worse and worse because all of a sudden it got hard. Somebody beat them. And it's the first time they ever got beat before. And so now they want to give up. Now they're judging their self-worth. They're judging their talent. They're, they're comparing what shouldn't be compared. All of a sudden it got hard and now they're questioning themselves. Now they want to give up. Or the coach asked me to do something that I don't want to do. And so now I want to quit. Or now I want to give up. Or now I want to spend 30 minutes of practice time complaining about the coach. And yet, when it comes to our own journey, our own goals, our own dreams, our own practices, our own sessions, our own seasons, we think the journey should be easy. We insist that it should be easy. We get frustrated, disappointed, disillusioned when things get hard. We blame others. We give up. If it's hard, it just must not be worth it. And I don't say this as some blanket statement. I don't say this as like, you know, like the media likes to paint. Like, let's just blame young people for everything. No, I don't say that at all. What I am saying is from lived experience, from coaching young girls for the past 15 years, it gets hard sometimes. And when it gets hard, how do you respond? Do you start comparing yourself to others and then 
when you don't get the result you want just that one time, all of a sudden you question your self-worth. You question whether you should be doing this and you want to give up. And sometimes too many people do. I want you, I want me, I want the hundreds of young women and wise women who are searching for something, who are going for something to stop that right now. It's supposed to be hard. It should be hard. When did we start thinking sports should be easy? When did we start thinking that something worth doing should be easy? When did we start expecting our goals, not the ones we worked for, not the ones we sacrificed for, not the ones we put hours and hours and hours in for, no, the goals that we wrote on paper that one time. When did we expect that those would magically appear? Like, boom, popped them in the microwave, 30 seconds later, I got all I ever dreamed and wanted. It's supposed to be hard. Now, I didn't say impossible, but hard. Hard, worthy, worthwhile work that stretches you. Now, I don't want you to confuse complacency for confidence. I feel like that is a message that has just been thrown at us and it's wrong. Self-confidence does not grow in the easy things. That's complacency. Doing something that is so easy that you don't even have to think about it, you do it with your eyes closed, that's not confidence. That's routine, that's habit. And if you never stretch beyond that, if that's all you ever do, that same thing over and over, that's complacency. Confidence comes in accomplishing hard things. Sometimes it just comes in trying the hard things, knowing that you can do something you once thought you couldn't. Confidence comes, it doesn't even have to be a world record or a personal record. I think back to that time I crushed my 800. It was still slow. It wasn't like I was winning some national champion in the 800 meters alone. In fact, I've coached high school girls who ran faster than I ran in that one 800. But for me, that 800, that gave me confidence because it was hard for me and because I pushed through it and I didn't succumb to the old habits of just jogging and wishing it were over. I pushed through. Confidence comes when we do a hard thing. And the cool thing about doing hard things is the more reps we have at them, before you know it, that thing that was once hard becomes that thing that you do with your eyes closed. Confidence can constantly grow when you are constantly growing. Another kind of fun story is, have you ever gone rock climbing? Now, I don't mean like um, actual rock climbing, you know, like on a mountainside or a cliff or something. Um, I'm totally not there yet, nor do I think I ever will be, but again, never say never. But one night my husband and I decided to do like a fun date night. And so we went to um, an indoor rock climbing place, you know, where they put the harnesses on you and they have different levels of the walls and whatnot. And you can kind of go at your own pace, challenge yourself. Um, I was never 
afraid of heights. I was always I always loved to do like roller coasters and things like that. But it's like the older I've gotten, I don't know, there's something in my equilibrium has changed. And I got to a certain level of that wall and it felt scary. Like I was like, I don't think I want to continue climbing. It it was hard. It was hard also to like know where to put my foot. And if I put my foot here, then I had nowhere to grab my arm. I mean, so there's that skill level of the rock climbing that was hard. But there was also that mental level of doing the rock climbing that was hard. The, can I do this? Do I want to do this? Nobody will really care if I go higher or not. It's that mental check, you know, that the saboteur that kind of comes in and tells you, you don't need to do this. You can't do this. That's also hard. But you want to know the hardest part of me for rock climbing? Not just the technical stuff, not that mental saboteur. It was when I got to the top and then you have to come down. And the way you're supposed to come down is you're just supposed to like sit back, like let go of the wall, sit back and then just fall. And you can kind of use your feet to kind of like, you know, help guide you. I'm sorry, but that was terrifying. Like letting go of all of that control up there at the top of the wall and just letting go and falling, that was terrifying. I did not want to do that. And in fact, I didn't do it. And so when I tried to come down, I like hurt myself because I was like scraping up against the wall. And um, then I went like kitty corner and I bumped into the person next to me and I just told, it was totally unsafe because I, I didn't let myself do the hard thing. And so I had to do it again. I had to face my fears and climb that wall and get to the top. And then I just had to sit back and fall. And my husband has video of me laying on the ground, like my, like just catching my breath because it was terrifying. I think my heart was just going crazy, but I did it. Was it perfect? Heck no. Was it probably very funny? Yes. Okay. Sometimes, lots of times we don't build confidence in doing the perfect thing. We do it in the hard things and pushing ourselves to do something new, to do something hard, to overcome, whether it is a physical hard thing, whether it is a mental saboteur that we have to overcome. It's all a hard thing and it all builds confidence. Now, I know I will never be a professional rock climber, but I do like to try new things and I do like to have fun with the people that I love. And that's the goal of confidence. That's the, that's the whole purpose of our goals. It's to push us. It's to, to stretch us, not to keep us stagnant and safe and complacent, but to push us to grow our competence. And so you're probably asking, okay, Coach D, I get it. I get that I'm supposed to do the hard things. I get that I'm supposed to try new things. I get that I'm supposed to stretch myself and push myself, but how? So here's what I want you to think about. I want you to to picture like a, um, a target, like concentric circles. And in the middle would be your comfort zone. These are all of the things that you can do with your eyes closed. These are the things that you are 100% certain that you will do. You will do correctly every time. You feel safe here. You know you can do it. Somebody says something and you're like, oh yeah, I got that. I can do that, okay? That's your comfort zone. 
okay? The next level of that circle, of outside that circle, that's your stretch zone. Okay, so these are skills. These are the things that you can do, but you need to be stretched a little bit. So maybe that stretch is a technical thing. Like if in the rock climbing example, it's me reaching for the yellow knob rather than the black ones, okay? It's stretching my technical or my physical skill a little bit. It's manipulating that. So I am working specifically on my physical skill. Maybe the stretch is an emotional one. It's that mental one. It's me running the 800 and it's those workouts my coach would do where he would, where he would make me run an 800, but he'd break it down into 200 increments. And every 200, I had a 30 second rest. And so in my mind, okay, I'm running the pace of my 800. I'm getting fatigued like I'm running an 800 and I'm still doing the mental reps of the 800 because I'm circling the track twice, but it's giving me a little bit physical, a little physical of an advantage because I'm getting those breaks, but mentally it's still pushing me because I'm still running fast and I'm still having to do the part that's hard for me, which is continually to circle the track, stretching ourselves physically or mentally and manipulating one of those objects, okay? Stretching us. That's the stretch zone. That's where you grow. The next layer would be the panic zone. And that is where no growth happens in the panic zone. That's where um, if they would have just, when I was rock climbing, just taken away my harness, okay? Panic and I would have got hurt and I never would have gotten back and I probably wouldn't be walking, okay? We don't want to live and work in the panic zone. That That's where our goals feel impossible, okay? We want to be in the stretch zone. How can we work in the stretch zone? That's where we grow. That's where we accomplish the hard things. But did you know that they, they as in like scientists, you know, really smart people, are creating these biospheres or these big ecosystem habitat-like places um, to try and learn how the earth kind of maintains itself, how everything grows here and cycles through here. And with the end goal of being, can we replicate this up on Mars, for example? Can we make life and things grow in space on Mars? Well, there's this place called the Biosphere 2, and it is owned by the University of Arizona. And it's like the size of three big football fields. And it's just, like I said, it's studying the biosphere and how it all works together. And it has everything in it, like a rainforest and a savanna and even like a mini ocean. I mean, it's like, you know, those little projects you made in like the third grade where you pick like a landmark and you put it in a shoebox. It's like that, but for real. And so they, you know, they're studying this and they're learning all kinds of things. But one major discovery that they found was the importance of wind. So for example, these plants, these trees, they're growing like crazy in there. They're growing faster and they're growing taller, but as soon as they get to a certain height, these trees just collapse. They just fall over. And they realize the one missing variant from this picture-perfect biosphere habitat 
compared to what they have outside of it is the wind. They are missing the wind. And if you think about that, in the real world, in the wild, the wind keeps a tree like constantly moving. Um, I love where I live in in the Midwest, so I get all four seasons. So you can, you know, I, I think of the fall when the wind and it blows, it blows the leaves off the trees. You can always like hear the wind, even though you can't actually see it. But I just love this, this reminder of how important the wind is to the growth of a tree. The scientists said that because there was no wind in this biosphere, that the trees never developed what they called stress wood. So if you actually like look at a tree, um, it doesn't grow straight up and down. You'll kind of notice that it curves and it bends and it's it's trying to, to shift to where it can get the sun and it can get the light. And this stress wood helps it be strong. It helps it grow roots and to withstand all of the things that a tree faces, you know, all the changing temperatures and um, all the seasons. And the wind makes a tree stronger. The stress is making the tree stronger. The lack of wind, that lack of resistance, of pressure, of stress, that lack of hard things. Yes, initially, maybe it makes that tree grow faster. Maybe it makes it grow stronger. Maybe it makes it grow not stronger, but taller, quicker, but it has no roots. It has no foundation. It has no testing. It has no like calloused hands to stay tall and to last. Our trees need the wind. You and I, we need the wind. We need adversity to grow roots. We need to do hard things. We need to look at our goals and our dreams and not try to plan around the hurdles, but to plan for the hurdles. Even if we don't know what those hurdles will look like, what they will be, we know they're coming and we're going to be ready. You and I, we need the hard things so that we can stretch, so that we can grow, and so that we can blossom into the best version of ourselves. Go and do the hard things. Embrace the wind. Grow strong. I am so excited for this new outlook on my goals, on my dreams, and I hope you are too. As always, this is Coach D, and I am cheering you on through all the hard things. Thank you for tuning in to the Standing O podcast. Subscribe and share this episode and tag us at ShePlaysNow on your social media.